Did you know that we're exposed to thousands of commercial messages every day? And are you aware that consumers tend to trust what influencers say about brands much more than what brands say about themselves? When brands need to cut through the noise and reach consumers, influencer channels offer an unrivaled space to create genuine, meaningful dialogue and connect directly with consumers on their terms. Welcome to Influencer Marketing Talks, a podcast brought to you by Cure Media, a leading influencer marketing company for fashion brands. This is your weekly podcast to understand more about influencer marketing and why it's such a powerful channel when it comes to building trust in your target group. Every Wednesday, we'll cover topics such as how to build a successful influencer marketing strategy, how to measure the effects, the role of influencer marketing in the overall media mix, and of course, the latest trends and insights on what's up in the influencer marketing and social media sphere. And we know you're busy, so every episode is right around 15 minutes. Perfect to tune into on your morning walk, during your morning routine, or on your way to and from work. Join us and our expert guests to stay up to date and take your marketing strategy to the next level with influencer marketing. The world's fastest growing marketing method. I'm Sana Oudmark. And I'm Frida Ekholm. And this is Influencer Marketing Talks. Hello and welcome to Influencer Marketing Talks, a podcast brought to you by Cure Media, the leading influence marketing company for fashion brands. This is your weekly podcast to learn more about consumer marketing in the digital age in right around 15 minutes. I'm Holly Moran and joining me today, I'm so excited to have Nicole Rycroft, who is the founder and executive director of Canopy who are an award-winning environmental not-for-profit and who are doing some pretty amazing work to to build a more sustainable retail landscape. Thank you so much for joining me, Nicole. Oh, Holly, it's so great to be here. Thank (laughs) you so much for this opportunity. Not at all. So for those who who might not be familiar with Canopy and, mm-hmm. and the amazing work you do, would you mind just kicking us off by giving us a bit of background? Sure. So Canopy is a solutions-driven environmental NGO, and mm-hmm. we're dedicated to protecting the world's forests, climate, biodiversity, and helping to advance frontline community rights. And we do this by harnessing the purchasing influence of more than 800 of the world's largest corporate customers of forest-based fabrics mm-hmm. like rayon and viscose, um, as well as paper and packaging. Um, so we work with brands like LVMH, H&M, Walmart, Penguin, Stella McCartney, uh, and many others. And we work with them to develop cutting-edge environmental policies uh, and then help support them uh, in shifting their supply chain out of operating in the world's ancient and endangered forests, these mm-hmm. most critical forest ecosystems, uh, towards lower carbon next generation solutions that are more circular, as well as helping to conserve forests. So we essentially uh, work together to transform 
unsustainable supply chains and help brands eliminate risk from their supply chain, shift their suppliers out of endangered species mm-hmm. habitats or high carbon forests, and really help kickstart commercial production of these circular alternatives. And in doing so, help brands hit their scope three targets. So we're probably best known historically for greening the Harry Potter book series. But in <laughs> recent years, uh, we've had a lot of fun uh, working with the fashion industry. Harry Potter, what a claim to fame. But so many, I mean, so many amazing brands there. That's amazing to hear um, really well-known household labels are, are working with you to make progress in this important area. And the things that you cover just there, that's a lot of scope around sustainability. Is that what you guys would term the the Canopy Style Initiative that I've read so much about? Or is that more stuff that you're already working on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of the essence of, of what's involved in Canopy Style. So Canopy Style is our, our initiative uh, that's dedicated on transforming the viscose supply chain. Okay. Um, and so eight years ago or so, almost 10 years ago now, we discovered the link between forest ecosystems and the soft, silky fabrics that are in everything from the you know, linings of suit jackets to lingerie and blouses and our little black dresses. Um, And at the time, we were shocked that something that could stand tall in a forest and give you a splinter uh, was actually ending up in our clothing. And that, in Mm. fact, there were 200 million trees that disappear into rayon and viscose and modal and lyocell fabrics every year. And it's slated to double within the next decade. And so, Canopy has really been focused on ensuring that the viscose supply chain does not drive deforestation and forest degradation, uh, that we don't end up, as this supply chain looks to expand, that, uh, that we don't end up with new mills being built in the Amazon or Indonesia's peatlands, uh, but that rather we transition at this inflection point to more circular economy production models, models of production that draw on the mountains of waste textiles that we have left over. And so we've been really fortunate. The Canopy Styles had phenomenal support. It's one of the Mm -hmm. fastest fastest moving environmental initiatives in the fashion sector. Uh, We have about 470 brands now with formal Canopy Style commitments in place. So they're all committed to not sourcing from ancient and endangered forests and to trialing and then prioritizing the use of next generation solutions. So these textiles made from lower carbon sources and really stepping forward as advocates for forest conservation. And because we've had these almost 500 brands and their, their kind of collective revenues are about $800 billion annually, that level of consistent message from the marketplace has seen a dramatic shift in the viscose supply chain. And so we now have 90% of global viscose production with similar policy commitments in place to the brands. More than half of this global supply chain are now verified with green shirts or as being at low risk of sourcing from ancient and endangered forests. Uh, So half of this global supply chain has literally shifted uh, in the last five to six years. And that's exactly the pace and scale of change that we need to be seeing. Amazing. And mm-hmm. and those next generation solutions that you mentioned, could you give us mm-hmm. a bit more insight into what that includes, what that entails? 
Sure. So next generation solutions, they're the future of fashion uh, yeah. and the future of supply chains more broadly, really. Um, there's clearly no need in 2022 for us to be cutting down 500-year-old trees to make T-shirts and shipping boxes. Um, we Clearly, we have a smarter way, and that's what Next Generation Solutions are about. They utilize what are otherwise seen as waste streams that would be burnt or landfilled, mm -hmm. so things like waste textiles uh, or agricultural residues, so straw left over after the food grain harvest or food waste, Uh, all of these waste streams, which is a human construct all in itself, in nature, there's no such thing as waste. <laughs> Everything is part of a perpetual cycle uh, of life. Uh, but uh, all of these um, waste streams currently place incredible stress on our climate, uh, but they all have the potential to be processed into pulp to make mm -hmm. next season's clothing and the packaging that clothing and food is shipped in. Um And generally, they carry at least half of the environmental footprint of using trees. So it takes 70% less energy uh, to turn straw into pulp to then make packaging uh, than it does to take a tree and turn that into pulp to make packaging. It takes 90% less water, less chemicals. Landfills are obviously alleviated Uh, in terms of pressure as well. And so I think the thing with Next Generation Solutions is that we've we often talk about solutions as though they're off in the future, that there's some sort of yep. feat of science fiction that awaits <laughs> us. Um, uh, but these solutions are here today. Uh, the world's first waste textile pulp mill for clothing will be operational this year, um, which is Great a very news. exciting milestone. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's the, that's why next generation solutions are the future of fashion. Oh, the solution. <laughs> the solution, exactly. The solution. And obviously you guys are doing amazing work to educate brands about this. Mm -hmm. It sounds like uh, more and more brands are hearing that message and responding to it in exactly the way we need them to. But we need, obviously, that, that's only kind of 50% of the equation. You have to have the consumer demand on the other side. And it does feel like sustainability is moving from this kind of fringe conversation, this quote unquote hippie movement into the mainstream. You know, I see uh, luxury brands like the ones you mentioned, but also uh, Selfridges doing a resale program to, uh, right. to introduce re-commerce of luxury goods. H&M, like you mentioned, quite famously do sustainability lines um, very popularly within their stores at the moment. What do you think is kind of, prompting this shift is it just you know I'm sure the amazing work of your team and, and teams like yours is part of it but is there anything else that's driving this change yeah well that's a wow that's the <laughs> question isn't it I mean definitely I, I totally agree sustainability has moved from the fringes mm -hmm. uh, and a thing that only the most progressive companies and designers yeah. did to being a C-suite priority for most of the world's large brands. Um, and we've seen even in the last two years during COVID that that's actually intensified, uh, that pace of prioritization of sustainability. And I think there's a couple of reasons for it. One is that nobody wants to be left too far off the pace, mm -hmm. right? So as more and more companies have moved into sustainability, as more and more companies have joined Canopy Style, it kind of has 
kind of swept others along as they try to avoid risk of being linked to the destruction of forests and other environmental problems. Um, You know, brands understand that consumers want to make better choices when they purchase. um, And so they're working to meet and, you know, with many of the brands that we work with also be get ahead of those expectations. I think there's an awareness that we are already living with the impacts of climate change. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm from Australia originally, and it's really, it's been a biblical, like an Old Testament biblical couple of years. There have been fiery infernos, devastating (laughs) floods, plagues, um, and climate change is an incredibly disruptive force. And I think COVID has really underscored that there are only so many disruptions of this kind and of this magnitude that our supply chains and economic system uh, can uh, can survive. And then I think on uh, the other thing is that uh, fashion is incredibly competitive um, and being a leader in sustainability really does help brands and designers rise above uh, their competitors. It's a market differentiation uh, edge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something that we are, we've clocked that we're seeing a lot more of is this kind of consumer led mm-hmm. demand. As you say, the market is very competitive. Consumers can spend their money with a gazillion different options. And this values led consumerism, I think, is forcing brands to hold themselves accountable to build supply chains that are accountable and responsible to meet that demand. As you said, consumers want to make uh, the kind of the decent and the best choice for the planet and the brands that make that easiest for us, because we're, you know, me personally, I'm quite a lazy shopper. And if I have to, if I have to seek out the sustainable options, maybe I'm not going to do that for all my sins. But if I can walk into a high street store and there's an option there, yeah, you know, make it easy for me to make the right choice and I'll do it. Um, so with this kind of increased demand, with the need to differentiate themselves, is it purely an ethics decision now to, to increase sustainability for fashion brands or is it kind of as much a commercial one as well? Oh, I think it's it's very much become, uh, yes, well, in, in probably have a saving, saying of yes and, Um, And I think sustainability has definitely gone from, you know, those brands and designers who are really deeply ethically committed to the issue Mm -hmm. uh, and were willing to kind of take the hit of the additional cost that came with it um, to it is now uh, a core part of business strategy. Um, so there's the ethics and, you know, I mean, just because I'm a professional tree hugger doesn't mean <laughs> I'm the only person in the fashion industry that cares about clean air and a stable climate. Yeah. You know, people that work within brands, they also care deeply about these issues. And so I think there's all probably a sense of relief that they get to kind of work on these issues as part of their day to day as well. And in fact, as some of the world's most powerful advocates for environmental change, uh, but there is definitely, there's definitely been a shift uh, from it being sustainability being dealt with by the sustainability team mm-hmm. to it now being really embedded within business strategy, uh, it being a priority of CEOs and the C-suite, um, that, it, that it's embedded across all aspects 
uh, of a, a brand and a company's operations. And, and I think just a real recognition that companies that do nothing to address environmental issues are actually going to be left behind. And of course, that's something that no fashion brand wants uh, to be, is left in the dust. Absolutely. And it's too easy. There are too many competitors ready to take your spot if you if you don't act on these kind of demands. Yeah. And I know that we're seeing a lot of um, kind of high end solutions. A lot of luxury brands are mm-hmm. getting on board again, like some of the ones you've mentioned. And then at the other end, we obviously see a lot of in the influencer marketing space, influencers are actually doing quite a lot of work to make particularly secondhand um, shopping and re-commerce a very trendy alternative to the kind of disposable way that we have consumed fashion in the past is there with with kind of both of those ends of the spectrum covered is there a danger that high street brands could kind of fall through the middle and get missed or or is there is there a way that they can make sure they stay an important part of the conversation mm-hmm well, our experience, I mean, definitely we've seen strong and fabulous leadership by luxury designers and influencers mm-hmm. like Stella McCartney, like Vivian Westwood, yeah. the Caring Group, LVMH. But we've also had a lot of high street brands collaborating with us to save forest mm-hmm. ecosystems. So mo- most of our high street brands, you know, including Next and Zara and H&M and M&S, and, uh, they now source their viscose only from green shirt ranked producers in Canopy's hot button report, which means that they're only sourcing from producers that are low risk of Mm -hmm. sourcing from H&N endangered forests. They've been very engaged in advocating for forest conservation and for their suppliers to shift towards next generation solutions. Um, In fact, some brands like Target and Zara and H&M uh, they have been very early adopters and some of them have actually been uh, integral in actually encouraging mainstream viscose producers to establish next generation solution lines. So awesome. fabrics that are made with 30% recycled uh, fabric uh, or waste textile as yeah. part of the feedstock rather than 100% reliant on trees. So they've, the brands, high street brands, have because they've got larger volumes oftentimes, have played a really integral role in helping to spur the development uh, of these, you know, these low-carbon textiles of the future. Amazing. Uh, and in terms of the messaging around those kinds of that, that mm-hmm. work that these high street brands are doing, or really any brand, and I wonder if this is something that you end up in conversations about. It's certainly something that... Um, our CEO, actually, Sam Vruzesh, wrote an article about in Forbes mm-hmm. last year now, is the the risk that kind of consumer cynicism presents right. to savviness. this movement. Let's, let's call it savviness, shall we? <laughs> let's call it savviness. Absolutely, yeah. Let's call it savviness. Um, you know, we've we've been hurt before, consumers, where brands have kind of jumped on bandwagons, they've made, they've hit the right headlines, they've done the right stories, and then you dig a bit deeper and it's all, you know, it doesn't really live up to the headlines. It's been a PR exercise more than it has been a genuine, um, a genuine movement, a genuine change. So I suppose two parts questions. One is whether you think, you know, for our audience perspective, whether influencers themselves can play a role in 
lending credibility um, mm-hmm. to, to sustainability messaging from brands and to whether there's any more general advice you could offer brands around how to avoid accusations of, of greenwashing or, yeah, savviness, cynicism um, around, around them, their activations in that area. Oh, a two-part question. Okay, so can we start with the influencers? I think absolutely influencers can be a huge force uh, for good in this realm. Like it, it is, uh, there are a lot of claims. People are aware that companies are prone to overstating uh, their green cred. Uh, and so trusted influencers are incredible validators, mm-hmm. um, just like NGOs, uh, except they're sexier generally. <laughs> So uh, I would say the one thing, though, is that for an influencer, their brand is important as well. And so they want to make sure that they do their due diligence uh, to make sure that they're maintaining a high standard, that they don't risk losing the confidence of their community um, because their integrity is is one of their main currencies. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the things that we're quite proud of at Canopy that we feel is important is that even though we work with and partner very deeply with more than 800 brands, we don't enter into a financial relationship with any of those companies. It it allows us to maintain a relationship where we help companies to clean up their supply chains and be part of a movement for forest conservation. But if we say that a certain company is doing a good job, then there's no question mark about whether it's because they're paid off for it, basically. Exactly. (laughs) So so I I, I would just really encourage uh, influencers to really check their brand collaborators, make sure they're working with credible environmental partners on their sustainability work. Transparency is is really key for everybody's work uh, in in this area, be it a brand, be it an influencer, be it an NGO, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think for brands in terms of, avoiding perceptions of greenwashing it is it's really important uh to be seen to be contributing uh so uh you know people are really concerned about climate change Mm -hmm. and and the health of our planet uh and they're looking to business leaders uh for what they're doing to help build a better world and chart a different course and so brands need to have programs in place and then be communicating about that. But they also, uh, there is a fine kind of line. And of course, I think uh, we're all, we all make mistakes, right? And we are charting new territory as Mm -hmm. we try and build new supply chains and new practices. Um, And so transparency uh, is important, you know, mistakes are going to be made. And then actually, I think what we've seen the brands that have navigated it best is when they've basically been very open about, you know, we thought this was going to work. This was where we were heading and it didn't work because of, as far as we can tell, A, B, and C. And, you know, we're renewing our commitment and we're going to, you know, dust ourselves off and try again. Um, I think it builds respect. Uh, It's authentic um, and so rather than trying to hide those failures or where there are shortcomings, actually coming forward, I think, actually helps build more affinity and loyalty. I could not agree more. I, you know, from a consumer perspective, um, I would so much rather see a brand go, we were aiming for 30% and we made it to 20. 
and here's how we've reached 30 next time, then go, we're 100%, and then read in the news that, you know, there are these horrible supply chain challenges that they're not telling me about. Um, and I think that's kind of speaks to the, the, the crux of influence marketing is, is that you're talking to fallible humans, people who you can relate to because they're genuine and, and authentic and they will make mistakes and they will own up to that. And the same rules can apply to brands. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be honest and try. Yeah, exactly. And, um, so I think we I think we probably have one time for one more question, if that's sure. um if that's okay. Time has completely run away from me. My mind is blown by a lot of what we talked about today. Mm-hmm. And actually I think the last question I'd like to end on is partly why it's blown, because I have kind of always thought of sustainable fashion as I just have to buy less. I have to stop shopping, um, which is scary for me because I like shopping. (laughs) And I imagine quite scary for fashion brands because they like me shopping. (laughs) Indeed. So I guess the question is, is is just buying less? Is that the end goal for the sustainable fashion retail um, strategy and, and timeline? Or is there kind of are there more innovative solutions that, that we can offer or, or teams like yours can offer to address the, the environmental challenges that the garment industry does create or suffer from? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, buying less is definitely part of this, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, as much as we all uh, uh, indulge in a little retail therapy every now and then, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are a hundred billion items of clothing produced every year and 60% mm-hmm. of those end up in landfill within the first 12 months. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's impossible for us to really kind of continue with that kind of rate of production Mm -hmm. uh, and disposal mechanism and be sustainable in an increasingly kind of resource-constrained world. So for individual consumers, the key is, I think, to really buy for a lifetime rather than a season, uh, to buy ethically produced products that you love from brands and designers that are leading the way on Mm -hmm. sustainability. Brands and designers who are taking leadership need to be supported. Um, Swaps, swaps, buying secondhand, repurposing, um, uh, getting together with friends to remodel uh, clothes. Uh, Wild solution. Me and my friends. Lost crafts. Yeah. Me and my friends have started doing it and we were like, oh my God, at uni, this was so standard and we've just stopped. And it's, it's free. <laughs> it's free and, we're not. And, and fun <laughs> and social. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, for brands, it's a really around creating products that draw on next-gen feedstocks. Yeah. So really shifting away from their current reliance on raw materials in a very kind of linear uh, production. Mm. Uh, and those new business models are really going to be imp- important moving forward. Resale schemes, rentals, in-store repairs, alterations. Um, you know, we're going to have to be creative. But the great thing about humans is that generally we're really good with deadlines. Um, <laughs> and we're clearly working to a deadline. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with change. So I think I feel really confident that be- being stylish doesn't have to cost the earth. And uh, we're going to find a way forward together for it. Oh, what a lovely message to end on. It's not all doom and gloom. Huh. We can get there. Uh, I just have to stop spending all my money on <laughs> on fashion sites. But I think you know it, what you've spoken to there is is 
a really um, interesting way to look at it, that it's not, it doesn't have to mean stop buying clothes. No one can buy any more clothes forever. It's about being smarter about how we buy clothes, how we make clothes, um, and where where we can meet in the middle, I guess. Absolutely. I think, unfortunately, that is all we are going to have time for today. But thank you so much, Nicole, for joining me. I have learned so much, and I'm sure our listeners have too. Well, thank you, Holly. It's been really fun to join you, and it's a great series, so I'm a fan. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was everything for today, but of course the content doesn't end here. If you want to stay up to date with all of our weekly podcast episodes, the influencer marketing content, and all of the updates from the consumer marketing scene, do make sure you follow us on all of our platforms. We are at Cure Media. Additionally, if you want to receive influence marketing insights all bundled up in a neat little email straight to your inbox, do subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter. You can find it on our website, www.curemedia.com or right on the link in our bio on Instagram. <laughs>